Good morning, neighbors, and welcome to our weekly interviews with community organizations and leaders in the neighborhoods of Philadelphia. I'm your host, Jane Jeanette Ansa. I'm very delighted to host this series of interviews, which is a collaboration amongst the Lindy Center for Civic Engagement, Drexel Edits, a center for the support of nonprofit communications, and radio station WKDU. This week, I am very excited to have a neighbor who has dedicated a lot of his life and work to re-entry, doing amazing work right here in our community. Today, I am joined by Jeffrey Abramowitz. Um, I actually met Jeffrey at my old co-op, Philly Cam Radio, WPPM, where he hosts an awesome show called Looking Forward Reentry Radio. But Jeffrey has a very impressive and extensive resume of experience in his field. So just a brief overview and bio of Jeffrey. He is the Executive Director of Reentry Services for Jeff's Human Services and Program Director of Looking Forward Philadelphia. He was a 2018 Fellow for Just Leadership USA and has most recently served as the Director of Student Services and Workforce Development for Community Learning Center. Jeff was a trial, oh, well, I'm gonna let you tell your story. Um, but Jeff is also, he also proudly sits on the Executive Board of the Coalition on Basic Adult Education. Jeff is active in the Philadelphia Reentry Coalition. He serves on the Board of Directors of Community Forgiveness and Restoration, a member of Nation Small Council and Advisory Board Member of Philadelphia and PD Green Program. He is also the producer and host of the award-winning weekly radio show, Looking Forward, on Philly Cam Radio, WPPM 106.5 FM. Jeffrey is a writer, keynote speaker, and lecturer around the country on issues of adult education, workforce development, and criminal justice. That's amazing. So welcome to the show, Jeffrey. I'm very honored to have you here with me today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and I know we're on radio, so they can't see your beautiful smile. But yeah, <laughs> oh, um, I am. Um, I'm, I'm really floored to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I'm looking forward to our discussion and to share today and tell you a little bit about my journey. And um, here's some of your um, your rocket questions that you have of me. So. Right, awesome. I'm excited to I'm excited to hear all your answers because I have some questions that I'm really interested in, and I know that um, the listeners would definitely want to hear. So why don't you just start by um, telling us your story and just a little bit more background on who you are and you know what got you to where you are today doing the work that you do. Yeah. So easy, easy question, and um, but really <laughs> long answer. I'm going to try and trim it down a little bit, but I. Grew up in Philadelphia, went to um, Central High School, grew up in the Omni section, went to Central High School and graduated Central, always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. So went to Ohio State for undergrad and then uh, Michigan State for law school, graduated law school and came back to Philadelphia. Um, I just love the city and started practicing law right at 15th and Market Street, practiced as a trial lawyer for 15 years before, just made some horrible choices. And those choices led to a federal indictment. Um, they say the two most important days of your life are the day you're born, and a lot of people say the day you die. For me, it really was uh, the, the second most important day is the, fig the day you figure out why you're born. And, and that really happened on the day that I was sentenced because I was in a federal courthouse um, in Philadelphia and was sentenced to five years in a federal penitentiary. Um, you know, I, I really knew that my life was going to change. I didn't understand the gravity of it or, or why, and I needed to figure out the why part of it. But while I was away, I you know, taught all these classes and learned as much as I could from all the men that were around me that really were um, 
there, there were teachers to me, um, teachers about poverty, teachers about race, teachers about justice, teachers about basic things like driving a forklift and operating a tractor trailer and changing oil on a car and all these things that we did in the prison. Um, I really learned so much from the people that I was with, but I struggled when I came home and lived uh, in a shelter, lived in a halfway house and in a shelter and kind of a proud person. I didn't want to ask anyone for money or help. I needed to figure this out on my own. So I lived in North Philadelphia at Germantown and Lehigh and um, really struggled. I couldn't figure out why it was so challenging to come home and not have any support services and really be more incarcerated in, in a shelter than you were in prison. So I, um, I got lucky. I started teaching GED math and somebody gave me an opportunity um, at Broad and Lehigh and shortly after I got hired in my first semester of teaching, um, I became a director of workforce development for Community Learning Center. And they're located in North Philly and also in West Philadelphia. And I found my passion was for teaching and working with men and women that were trying to um, navigate coming home from prison or navigate um, just education. So uh, it, was a, it was an incredible journey. Things kind of took off after that. And you read my bio, I kind of chuckle when I hear it because it's like, yeah, is that really you? You know, did you really do that? Um, because it is kind of surreal for me. I never expected to be in this place, but I always knew that there was more of a direction that there was, this happened for a reason. And it was my job to kind of figure it out. <laughs> wow, every time I hear your story, I say wow, because I think it's, it's a very powerful story and I think it's really amazing that you were able to take, you know, facing that consequence of your actions and your decisions and use it for something so good, like using your experience to help other people and make sure that people don't go through the same thing that you went through, you know, coming out of prison. So I think it really speaks to the type of person that you are. So thank you for sharing. And as I listed off your impressive resume earlier, you do a lot clearly. I can't imagine how you balance it all, but you do. Can you tell us a little bit more about Jeff's and what you do there and sure. about your show also? Yeah, so Jeb's is, um, I just got really lucky because I, I started um, really fulfilling my passion um, of working with men and women in the education arena. And I knew that I wanted to do more in workforce development. So I started doing some consulting work and started reentry programs. And in fact, it started the Looking Forward program, which exists now, um, working with men and women that just came home from prison or um, had come over home within the last few years. Um, helping them navigate it. And I was down in um, Nashville, Tennessee with Jeff's consulting with them on a project that um, I had an idea of helping men and women that had disabilities and how we could help them when they came home from prison because they're really special needs. So we put a, a proposal together and um, I was doing some work with them um, on a project called Pathways to Prosperity. And we ended up winning the award in front of a, a Shark Tank audience, which was really cool. We got a huge grant to make this project um, come alive here in Philadelphia. And the day that I came home, um, Jeb's offered me this position at an executive level. Um, and Jeb's is an amazing organization. They service about 35,000 people in Philadelphia. And we are known by so many other names. Um, Jeb's operates the Orleans Technical College. We own the Career One Stop at Suburban Station, which helps people coming uh, that are unemployed. We have um, youth diversion programs. We oversee the vocational training programs and the, on all the Philadelphia County prisons. 
We um, have diversion programs called the Choice is Yours, and we we operate. We have Jeb's at Home, a home healthcare network, and the list goes on. There's so many programs that we have. We have two methadone clinics in Philadelphia: one at Broad and Alney, and one at Fifth and Burks, or Fourth and Burks, wow. called Act One and Act Two. So it's really a diverse group of people. But the one thing that they realized, um, and the reason they brought me on, is that we have all these great programs, but we often act in silos and we don't realize that the men and women that are in the act one, act two methadone clinics also have criminal backgrounds and they need special attention to get back into the workforce. So um, they brought me in to kind of help break those silos down and really start talking and having the discussions about reentry and mass incarceration and social justice and how that all blends into the work that we're doing as a tremendous organization. So um, I jumped at the opportunity when they said, can you come on as an executive with Jeb's? And I was like, yeah, bring it on baby and they've been great <laughs> because they've allowed me to speak around the country to be engaged to wow. really I don't have to go through a chain of 50 people to ask for a box of pens um, these are decisions that I can make if we need a van we'll go rent a van or buy a van or whatever we need to do and that's how change happens so um, it's been exciting and I, I love the work that I do and I love being at Jabs because it's a great organization Right. That's amazing. I didn't even know Jeff's did all that stuff. So mm. um, is Jeff's, is it, is it a national organization or is it more local to like Philadelphia or Pennsylvania? Yeah. So Jeb's is, um, it's been around 70 years wow. and it's based here in Philadelphia. Wow. We do a lot of work in New Jersey. We do some work in Delaware, um, but they have sister companies called JVS, which are around the country. But okay. Jeb's, um, J um, Jeb's here in Philadelphia is primarily located in Philadelphia and services Philadelphia community. All right. Awesome. So towards the end of the episode, I'm going to ask you to just give some contact information for the listeners, but sure. that's amazing. And I think it's, it's pretty clear now, you know, why you do what you do, but can you just go a little bit more into detail about why this work of re-entry and helping people reacclimate to life after prison is so important to you and it's also just necessary for the community at large? Well, so it's so important. We have, um, you know, we have, oh, we have well over 2 million people that are incarcerated in the United States. And the reality is if we don't help men and women um, as they come home and even inside the prison start beginning to navigate what they're gonna do when they get home, then what do we really think is gonna happen? Um, you know, if you send somebody out of prison, they have a criminal background on them, they don't have any skills, they don't have any education, um, it's likely that they're gonna go and they're gonna go back into the, the things that they had done before to survive. Right. And we need to be able to educate people, we need to give them hope, we need to give them a career, not just a job. We need to think about, you know, how nice would it be for them to have a 401k and to have healthcare benefits and to live in a nice home where you know, they can furbish it and, and their kids. I often say that, you know, the impact that we have has really little to do with just the person that we work with. But it's the five-year-old that Noel goes to school and he's wearing new sneakers and he's wearing a nice coat. And he's got food in his belly. Um, how can you quantify that? And you really can't. But those are the kinds of things that keep me motivated and going because I see that on the street and I see that and I try to stay really grounded in the reentry work that I do. You know, I'm on the streets all the time. I walk around Philadelphia. Um, I'm, our programs are based in North Philadelphia. We do work in West Philadelphia and South Philadelphia. And it's important for me to really be engaged in the community so that 
I can understand better what's happening. And to be honest, that's where I learned my life lessons, you know, was in a halfway house, was in a homeless shelter where, you know, I learned the challenges that people have just trying to get a bank account or, you know, trying to um, get a job or trying to get food. Um, it, those challenges became very real to me. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit the other day before we, before the show aired and we were talking about, you know, my impact as a white, as I'm a 50 year old white lawyer. Um, I'm probably the furthest one away from that poverty scene um, that currently exists throughout our country. Right. And um, a lot of the work I do is simply because of the color of my skin. And uh, I spoke up in New York at Harlem not too long ago. And um, a gentleman, after I got done speaking, and I was one of maybe two white people in the entire room of 800. And I asked them, I, I, the general raised his hand, he said, Mr. Ray, tell me something, why are you here? And, and I, I think a lot about that, but I'm really do what I do because I'm white. And that's because I tell the story for the men and women that are black and brown that I work with that are so um, impacted by a system that just is unjust, unfair, and, and needs to be changed. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, racial diversity and inclusion now. And I kind of chuckle a little bit about it because, first of all, I believe it's, it's um, there's a great saying um, uh, you know, that I just heard recently. Somebody said it's diversity and confusion. Um, because for white people, it really is. There's a lot of confusion that, it go, that goes around the issue of diversity, but you have a lot of people jumping in the pool now. And um, my partner, Lisa Lord, who does a lot of work in diversity um, and inclusion work, and she's been doing it for the last five years, long before this all, this all started. Um, she, there's a great saying um, that I heard yesterday and we we're talking about it. She said, um, diversity is being invited to the party, but inclusion is being asked to dance. And um, really kind of cool, just hits home, you know, tells you what it's all about. I think it's tragic, though, that it's taken, um, you know, George Floyd and, and um, Breonna Taylor and all these people that have been so impacted um, directly by social and by social and racial injustice for white men and women to start opening their eyes. And um, it's bittersweet. I engage it and say, you know, let's let, these are discussions we need to start having in a real way. Um, but quite honestly, when it comes to criminal justice, it really starts down in the streets. I was on um, watching news yesterday and there was a story on on television about a family. It was a, a, a five men, five men, I think two a man, woman, two children, three children. And they were I think it was Minnesota that it happened and they were pulled over because they believed that their car had been stolen. And um, these five individuals were all laid out on the parking lot and they were all handcuffed and they're children and it was a black family. And it turned out that there was a big mistake that the vehicle's license plate was for a motorcycle, not even a car. And wow. they apologized. And I was just kept thinking to myself, could that ever possibly happen to a white family? Like, would you ever see a white family laying on the ground of a parking lot with being handcuffed behind their back for something that was totally, you know, a, just a mistake um right. so that stuff hits me hits me hard and um it's really one of the reasons why um i do a lot of the work that i do is because i think we need to have these discussions and we need to be out there right i agree completely i think about this often as well and to your point about 
George Floyd and Breonna, or the discussions that they're now just happening and now coming up. I've, since the beginning, I've been saying like, this is great. You know, I'm glad that we have this movement and this moment before us that all this is, is happening and discussions are coming to the table, but it should have been happening. And also a lot of like the discussions that are happening, I think some of the efforts that are being made feel not as genuine as they can be, I think, because it is it is now just happening before us and it's like it's almost kind of like a trend in a sense to me is what it feels like sometimes, you know. I definitely <laughs> see that. I definitely see and recognize that, but it's sort of like criminal justice reform. You know, if you had told me, um, if you had told me, you know, five years ago or when I was away that, you know, we would see the a president of the United States stand up and introduce someone that just got out of prison during a State of the Union address and both the Democrats and the Republicans stand up to applaud this person, I'd say you're totally crazy. Um, and if you said to me that there would be all this criminal justice reform at a federal level, I'd say, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it really is starting to happen. And I think that, that you really eat an elephant one bite at a time and you need to, um, you need to take your time and be patient and let change happen. And change does happen over time. Look, we didn't get into the situation overnight. This is, mm -hmm. you know, this is centuries. Um, that's this, that these kinds of things have been going on, and it's not going to change tomorrow. It's right. going to change over time by having these great discussions. <laughs> um, and I think that's a good perspective and a good way to look at it because you know sometimes when you're already in your ways and in your mind, you have your own set perspective. So I appreciate that. Your work and commitment speaks for itself. So I just want to say thank you again for sharing and thank you for the work that you do. We're going to take a, a short break and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. Are you a nonprofit organization in the neighborhood who is struggling to develop and maintain effective communication strategies just to survive, but you're unsure of the differences between who and whom or the right places to put commas? Well, help is available. Drexel Edits cares about the vitality of the nonprofit organizations in our neighborhood. We provide pro bono guidance and support to neighboring nonprofits who want to communicate more effectively with their constituents and benefactors. Drexel Edits offers editing services for communications such as grants, reports, instructions, social media, and even web design. To submit a request for editing services, please contact Drexel Edits at 215-571-4634. If you're just joining us, welcome. You're listening to Good Morning Neighbors with Jane Jeanette. I'm here with the phenomenal Jeffrey Abramowitz. Jeff is the Executive Director of Reentry Services at Jeff's Human Services. We've been hearing more about Jeff and the work that he's been doing in the community, but I just wanna go ahead and switch gears a little bit. As we've heard, Jeff, you've done a great deal of work with prisoners and you've actually also been formerly incarcerated um, yourself. And so I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience, you know, being incarcerated? What are some things that you noticed or realized about the system that maybe some of us on the outside or who have never been through the system don't know or can't really understand? Because I think whether you're in it or not, we can all, we all know it's kind of like a hot mess. <laughs> So it is a hot mess, especially now with COVID-19 um, behind the walls. It's kind of tragic right. what's going That's on. That's scary. It's really scary. And I'll talk about it but in, in a context a second. But really my experience inside and, and as, as, a, um, as a felon um, is really the same as anyone that's gone through prison. Um, with the second that you enter a prison, um, and I remember this um, really vividly, I was taken into custody from the courtroom and taken back into a holding cell and stripped out um, in, when I got into the, the federal detention center here in Philadelphia. 
And I um, actually sat in a room for a good few hours, um, probably two and a half, three hours, um, completely naked, and um, stood there while they were trying to find a jumpsuit for me. And um, as I did that, I realized that my life was about to change uh, just in, in unbelievable ways, but most importantly, because Jeff Abramowitz at that very moment became 617-64066. Um, I became not a name, but I became a number. And that number is, um, is who you are in prison. Um, and that's a shame in, in a lot of respects because um, there's a lot of humanity that's lost when you go inside of a prison and you are now all wearing green. So in the same respect that you are, you've lost all this freedom, um, you also begin to think about what's really important and, in your life and reprioritizing things. But you're stripped of everything that you had. I remember in the courtroom, you know, they took my wedding band off and they took my wallet and they took my keys and they took my, um, my belt and my shoelaces. And, um, and when you're stripped of everything and you have nothing at all, you have no money, no cell phone, no anything, um, the things that become important to you are you kind of kick into survival mode and you really begin to look at yourself. And if there's one way that I've really been changed in, in this whole process is I'm very self-reflective over everything now. I look at, at situations and I say, what did I do? Um, how could I have done it better? Um, you know, what, what went well, what didn't go well? And I think also, you know, when, when we go through life that we need to really be that way, we really need to think about, you know, our self-responsibility, that self-motivation and, and what drives us. Um, inside of prison, I learned how to navigate prison behind the walls. But things that you don't see is that, you know, that the black and brown men and women that are behind the walls are treated much differently than the, their white counterparts often. That inside of prison, there is no social distancing. Inside of prison, there is very poor um, medical care and attention. Inside of prison, there are all these restrictions and things that don't make a lot of sense. Like, um, you know, why there isn't mandated educational training for every, every um, individual that's behind bars. Why we don't teach digital literacy inside. You know, the first thing you do when you come home is you're told by your parole officer, you got to go find a job and you got to go onto a computer and you have to apply for a job online because that's how almost everyone does it today. And yet you've got no experience or training in digital literacy and learning how to operate a computer. And all of a sudden you're being thrust into the system. It's no wonder why people get frustrated and all. Um, because we, we've not prepared them for what that next step is. So a lot of those lessons, um, really practical things, if you had asked me what I really needed when I came home, I would have told you um, a pair of underwear that fits. I would have told you a septa pass. I would have told you a pillow um, because those are things that I didn't get inside and, and I really didn't get and wasn't allowed to get in the halfway house or in the shelters. So I'm um, just really basic things like finding food that, um, that you could eat. Um, the place where I stayed has since been closed, the halfway house in North Philadelphia. And I'll tell you that, thank God it has, because I, my challenge of my day was number one, finding a meal that didn't, wasn't infested with bugs. And the second was finding toilet paper to wipe my butt. So those were the two challenges that I had. And the public just doesn't see it. And, you know, oftentimes when people talk about it, it's like a sour grapes kind of thing. Like you got this, you deserve this. No, no one deserves to be treated like that. Um, especially when you've Absolutely. done five years away and you've come home and you're trying to get your life back together. Um, you deserve at least a little bit of a hand to say, okay, you know, here's a decent meal. Here's some clothing. Here's some basic supports that you can have like a toothbrush and toothpaste and things that um, you really need to survive. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I think 
it's really it's really interesting to hear to hear your experience and it's also really sad I mean, I think it's just one of those things that like you'll never really know, fully understand until, you know, you experience it yourself. But I always also agree, like my sister, she wants to be a lawyer. So that's kind of what she studies in school. And, you know, when we have discussions and things, that's something we talk about a lot is how people in prison are not prepared, you know, for life afterwards coming out. And I think that's such a disservice to, to the people there and to the community at large so that's why also why the work that you do is so important because you know it'll help with that in tuesday's episode we took a deeper dive into mass incarceration which is the extreme rate of imprisonment in america mostly of young black men and police brutality which is the excessive force which oftentimes can lead to death by the police most often towards young black men and these things have many causes and effects you can check out our last episode to learn more but um, the common denominator in all of this is young black men and it's really sad and jeff you actually mentioned it but i was going to ask you know about your experience of like witnessing the different treatment between white prisoners and black prisoners and you as you said it is different and it's really sad so as someone who is working diligently towards prison reform and criminal justice can you explain to our listeners exactly what that is and what that entails and its importance especially with the times that we are currently living in yeah, so yeah, prison reform to me involves really um, the the word reentry is used often as when people come home from prison. I believe reentry starts the day you walk into the prison doors, if not before, and you really need to start preparing yourself. And we need to start doing a better job preparing people for what's next. And in order to do that, you need to understand. Um, you know, where they're coming from. You know, a lot of men and women, um, especially who are minority, come into the prison system and they lack the skills and the education because they just didn't have it before. They didn't have someone pressing them to learn fractions and math. But um, I believe in contextualized learning. I believe that we need to find people's passion and help them find their passion. What do they really love to do? And then get them to understand that it's possible to do it. You know, if you want to be a carpenter, well, we need to teach you fractions to get there. So maybe we're te teaching carpentry and teaching fractions together. Um, but we, it needs to start inside the walls. And it's not just about getting a job or getting an, a career opportunity. It's about how to keep it. The one thing that, that challenges men and women most is that, you know, we have this, this crazy belief that just by getting somebody a job, everything goes away. It all happens. And, you know, it doesn't work that way. Just because you get somebody a job doesn't mean that their drug and alcohol addiction goes away. It doesn't mean that their opioid addiction or heroin addiction all automatically disappears. It doesn't matter. mean that homelessness goes away. Food insecurity goes away. All those things still are out there. Family issues, legal issues. So I believe in a very holistic approach and my, all of my programs are that way where we really need to look at everything. And it's not just about the career, it's about dealing with all these other problems and barriers that stand in the way. And when you go through the prison process, you know, we just started a program. Um, hopefully it's gonna be launching soon in the Philadelphia County. Um, I've been working on this since I've been away. And I did a, a workshop because there were no classes being taught inside other than the classes I taught and one other inmate. But I, I started a program called Get Ready, Get Set, Get Out. And it was all about thinking, what are you gonna do when you get out? And how are you gonna do it? What are the basic things you need to know? How do you get a, a, a debit card? You know, what is a debit card? How do you get use an iPhone? And, and all those really basic things that you need to know. Um, we need to do a better job inside. When I talk about prison reform, I talk about Pell Grant relief. 
where we start helping people know that they can go to college while they're inside the prison. While we talk about trade programs where it's not just a certification, but it's a certification leading to a job when they get out. And we need to do a much, much better job making that connection. I often explain to people that when you leave the prison doors, there's this really fast flowing water. It's like unbelievable stream that runs in front of it and has all these rocks and things in it. And um, it, our job as reentry support and is to get people over that water and into success and into those resources. And we often fail because they end up going into the water, they hit some rocks, and then they end up back into the neighborhoods where they were before doing some of the things that they had done before. So reentry and reentry reform needs to be holistic. It really needs to be looking at all the needs that people have, and it needs to be really meeting people where they are and understanding that whether it's a first grade education or a 10th grade education or college degree, that we have to accept the reality that people are on this journey and everyone's got a story to tell. I'm very transparent about where I've been. I encourage all the people that I work with to be transparent because Quite honestly, it's the story. You may not remember a lot about this discussion today and your view, your listeners may not either, but they're going to remember that there was a white Jewish lawyer on, on your podcast that, and he was talking about being incarcerated and, and it's the story that people remember. And we want to encourage people to find their story and to be able to tell it. Because once you do that, not only is it personally liberating, but it's also the way we change um, the way people look at returning citizens and get them into the workforce. Wow, um, I love that you said that. That last part is very powerful because I totally agree. I think story is really what sticks with people. That's what draws people in. Um, so you're absolutely right. I do want to share with you my pride and joy, which is the Looking Forward Reentry Program. And that's here in Philadelphia. We're located at 1526 Cecil B. Moore. And it's just, it's a, a group of rock star people that are passionate and all have lived experience and they get it. They know what it means to walk down the street as a returning citizen and somebody that's been touched by the criminal justice system. And they know where to go to get those supports, even whether it's jobs or career opportunities, clothing. Awesome. So thank you again so much. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just wanted you mentioned, um, I know that I, I recommended a theme song for today that, that I wanted to play. And yeah. I, I, I recommended a song by Bill Withers called Lovely Day. Uh -huh. And um, the reason that I, 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 it's actually a theme song that I use on our show, which is at Philly mm -hmm. Cam, it's WPPM 106.5 FM and airs on Wednesdays live. Um, the, the reason that I use that, that song is because um, I wish that everybody in our audience can wake up with that smile in, the heart, their, in their heart that I have, um, right. just ready to go to work and, um, and just make it a lovely day. Um, you know, there's a great, great saying. It says that the worst day on the outside is better than your best day on the inside. And it's mm -hmm. extremely true. Um, so I appreciate every day as a free man um, getting up and, and doing the work that I do. So we'll make it a lovely day. And so lastly, how can people find you or get in contact with you or just find more info on any of the org um, that you want to share? Yeah, so the easiest way to find me is really reaching out to um, if uh, is looking forward is looking forward at jevs.org um, is probably the easiest way. Um, you could also email me directly at Jeffrey um, dot Abramowitz, A-B-R-A-M-O-W-I-T-Z at jevs.org, J-E-V-S.org, or just calling 484-533-7002. 
or Google me. I'm on LinkedIn, have a very, very big social, um, social media presence. So you're welcome to do that or check out Philly Cam, the Looking Forward show. Um, yeah, it's not too hard. If you just throw my name into, mm-hmm. into Google, you'll, you'll, you'll find it and, and uh, feel free to call. If you need any resources, if you have family, friends, relatives that are struggling right now and they're looking for anything from food to a job, um, please just give me a call, send me an email, shoot me a text, and I'd be glad to, um, to see what we can do to help. Uh, looking forward, Philadelphia Arabs Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. Um, on PhillyCam, WPPM 106.5. And you can catch either on phillycam.org or you can get it on, um, you, you can get it. It's also podcasted as well. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. So it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited that you were able to make it. It's been a really great conversation, so full of knowledge, resources, and information. So to all you lovely listeners, you can also check out Good Morning Neighbors Facebook and Instagram for that information and for additional resources. Thank you all for tuning in and joining me today on Good Morning Neighbors. As I spoke with Jeffrey Abramowitz, you've been listening to your host, Jane Jeanette Ansa. Follow us on Instagram at goodmorn.neighbors and Facebook at Good Morning Neighbors. Don't forget, the full interview of this episode will be on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts under Good Morning Neighbors. Have a great day and a lovely weekend, everyone. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. <laughs>